Hi everyone, welcome to the latest edition of the Talent Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Patterson, Global Head of Growth here at Solutions Driven. And today I am pleased to announce Wendy Harris, the head of EMEA at Gong, who are one of our favorite tools. You know, we are hopefully one of their better customers, one of their first customers in, in EMEA, and thrilled to have Wendy on the, on the show today. Wendy, hi, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for inviting me. Delighted to be here. So as always, we have got a, a rough agenda, nothing, nothing too concrete, and I'm sure we'll take some tangents. But today, you know, to give you guys an idea that the plan really is, let's talk about Wendy. Let's talk about Wendy's approach to hiring talent, talent intelligence, and building teams. And then let's look at Gong and, and the future of Gong. So Wendy, if you don't mind, let's jump right in. Absolutely. So I kind of like to start this by you know, throwing you under the bus a little bit and saying, you know, how have you got to the role that, that you're at now? I mean, I, I look at life as, you know, a bunch of opportunities, risk, taking chances, you know, failures and, and learning, learning from that. And I'm sure there's been many of those along the way. So it'd be good to just get into the mindset of, you know, how have you ended up where you are today? Yeah, brilliant. Well, I'd say one of my uh, favorite phrases or mottos for life is dare greatly, which is, um, you know, coined by Brené Brown. And I think I try and live my life daring greatly. And so uh, I would also say I never had a master plan. So, you know, I could have been a vet. I could have been a psychologist. I ended up in business in, in, in Trinity College in Dublin, business and French. And I happened upon my first job at Goldman Sachs. I literally just went to a you know, they were sort of doing a career fair in, and I went along because I was told it was free food and, and a free drink, and that sounds great. So I went to yeah. my, exactly, perfect. What's what's better? So I tro- I saw a video of the trading floor, and I was hooked, and I was like, wow, that looks incredible. And so I um I ended up there. Thirty two interviews later, I ended up. No way. Yeah, true story. Thirty two interviews. Yeah, over six months, it was like knockout round after knockout round after knockout round. So thirty two interviews started in October the final year in college and finished them in March and so I got offered the job while I was still in college and then obviously having done 32 interviews I wasn't leaving so I stayed there for 11 years <laughs> I was traumatized and thought of having to do it all again um but well, you uh, just presumed that was what every recruitment process looked yeah, like at that point I know it was insane so uh but anyhow I spent 11 years there I absolutely loved it I worked in London and Chicago and then like, I just really wanted to move from finance to tech. And, and I would, I often say like my only master plan I ever had was I wanted to get out of finance and I wanted to move into tech. My two brothers worked in tech. I saw it was booming. Um, Dublin was the hub for it. And um, I wanted to move home to Dublin. And it was very hard to get a job in, um, in technology, to be honest, because, yeah. you know, recruiters don't get my CV. They're like, you don't know anything about digital marketing. And I'm like, well, actually, I get it, but I have some transferable skills, I promise, having survived Goldman Sachs for 11 years. Um, so I then spent some time at Facebook. I got my foot in the door there on a contract role, earning very little money just to get my foot in the door and then scrap my way back up. Um, I ran UK Ireland sales for AdRoll a retargeting mm-hmm. firm, then on to um, Dropbox, where I spent two and a half years as running UK Ireland sales and European sales, and then on to uh, Card Gurus prior to Gong, where I ran European sales. But I will say my overriding thing is I am open to opportunity. So I've always been, I've never had a master plan. I, I take the call. I don't take all of the calls, but I take calls occasionally and just say, okay, what's out there? And, you know, Gong came along. I certainly wasn't looking. I was so happy at my last job. I loved it. Um, but something about the company, I'd heard some buzz about it. 
And like, I wouldn't be here if I hadn't taken that call. And they were very aggressive in pursuing me, but I didn't, you know, I didn't fully get the magic of gong because I'd never used the platform. So, um, so I think be open to opportunity and don't be too narrow in your focus and dare greatly, as Brené Brown said. Dare greatly, amazing. Don't get my CV as a recruiter. That's noted and we'll come, we'll come back to that. You know, I'm sure gong don't want you going anywhere at this point, right? Because you're doing uh, what I hear, an, an amazing job from the, the research I, I've been doing so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess, you know, people have come to crossroads and, you know, doing well, we go after the passive market. So we much, pre- not prefer, but we go after people that are doing a good job and there's maybe one or two elements of that role missing, you know, because if it's only money that people move role for, the chances are they could move again quickly. Uh, again, we offer a 12-month guarantee, for example, not about protecting that, but we want to work with a client and see someone come in and make an impact and, and you know, go on and do good things, be promoted, build a team, you know, and that gives us a, a big, big sense of pride. What are you most proud of in your career so far? I'm most proud of the fact that I... You know, I, I was a very high profile role at Goldman Sachs. I was a female trader. There was, you know, only a couple of us. And I'm most proud of the fact that I succeeded for over a decade in, you know, a, a very tough world. Yeah. And, and, and I'm, but I also am proud of the fact that I was humble enough to swallow my pride and go back to being, you know, <laughs> a contractor at a, at a tech firm earning very little money to just work my way back up. So I'm proud of the transition I made because. It's not e- it was not easy and I had a very bleak year and everyone shut the door in my face and I'm proud of backing myself and knowing if I made it in there and I just stayed true to my values um, that I would ultimately fight my way back up. And look, I've got plenty of friends from, from Ireland and Scrappy is a word I always associate with them, you know, resilient. Um, they all have a, a backbone, you know, they can... You know, I think whether it's sport or whether it's life, whether it's sales, you're always going to get knocked down a peg or two, and it's how 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 you react to that. How do you transfer that onto your team? So I believe in life, you can choose to be the victim or the hero of your story, and I choose to be the hero. And by that, I mean nothing. Nobody owes me anything, and this whole a lot of people bring a victim mentality to work. And then, oh, the reason I didn't hit my target was because my book of business is rubbish, or my SDR wasn't good enough, or blah blah blah, whatever. So I don't accept the victim mentality. I expect accountability and that I live my life as if I have agency over what happens to it. It's like, it's not someone else's fault. I am in control and I can choose to make stuff happen, right? So I don't like people that I really screen at interviews for anyone who is blaming territories or blaming other people or blaming circumstances beyond their control. What is within our control is powerful and um I really drive that sense of accountability across my team because it doesn't, you just like, it, it doesn't work otherwise. It's like, if, you know, so be the hero, not the victim. <laughs> love, love that. You know, I watched a different podcast of yourself and, and you talked about there was a difference between, you know, giving someone tough love and, and almost getting them to realize what's in their control. You know, and I thought that was, I thought that was really important. Have you noticed uh, a difference in this role? Obviously moving, I guess, more, work from home, more remote. Uh, have you noticed a change in people's behaviours when, when it relates to that, you know, what they can control, what they can't? And, and you know, we're noticing that people are working longer, harder when working from home, switching off less. Um, you know, has it been, how has that been for you guys and your team? 
Yeah, it's something I, I feel really passionately about the fact that, you know, when I'm at work, I'm at work and I'm focused, but my switch, I, it's really important to switch off. And at the end of the day, the leader sets the tone. And I would say, you know, I'm going to mass stereotype for a second, but Americans, I think, generally have a problem switching off and saying, I'm on my holidays, all right, it's the weekend or whatever. And it's like, and I, you know, that's obviously a cultural thing there, but I have been very vocal within the leadership team here. You know, I was at an offsite in Texas three weeks ago. And they're all talking about, you know, we just want to make sure we're being, you know, leading with empathy and making sure people are not burning out because of what you just said of people working harder and longer. And, you know, I said, look, leaders set the tone. Like I take my holidays and when I'm on holidays, I'm on holidays. I'm not working. If it's, you know, we're not brain surgeons, right? So it's, we're not saving lives here. It's not like, you know, the firm gong will go on to be a great success if I'm if hit a, a bus tomorrow. The fact is it will be fine. So um so I think just like the leader says so so I am vocal about when I take my holidays I literally delete slack and email from my phone and I say my out of office says if it's urgent call me and guess what like it's rarely urgent and if it is like obviously I take the call but like but this whole disconnect I literally can't physically do my job if I don't switch off because I have also have a seizure disorder and I have chronic headache and it's like, I learned, this is the lesson it took me the longest to learn is the importance of rest and sleep and recovery and leaders lead by example, do not send emails to your team at the weekend, respect them when they're on their holidays, like be treated as you want to be treated. Yeah. And, and a great lesson that something as I, cause I, you know, I don't think leaders are born as such, right. But you know, you grow into, you grow into roles and I've probably moved through the roles over the last few years and that's probably been the hardest thing you know i think as you start to lead by example you assume i need to work the hardest the longest the most you know set the example but really you're setting the wrong example and right. you're saying that you can only be successful if you work extra or longer or, or harder and and i think working that bit smarter and almost sharing some of that responsibility with your team i think a big big lesson i've learned this year is every single role a client gives us is urgent you know, because they want us to take it seriously. And it's testing that level of urgency early on is what really separates it for us. You know, you know, when we give you that shortlist on the 23rd of December, when are you going to look at it? Well, I'll come back on the 5th of January. Okay, so it's not urgent then. We can give you it next right. year. And, mm -hmm. and it's kind of a trying to probe for that. But at the same time, yeah. I definitely have found it hard to switch off. I shared a post on, on LinkedIn today with my son and I you know, going to a football game on, on Sunday. And I thought, you know, while I was there, I actually, it was a kind of a, I know people have those aha moments in life, but I sat there with my son, bursting with pride. He's at this game, you know, he's loving it. He, the ball was coming down the wing and he shouted, come on, I believe in you. And all the fans round about were laughing and, you know, loving it. And I thought, I need to do this more often. My wife isn't happy with me thinking about buying a season ticket, right enough, but... <laughs> But well, I just thought those little moments are, are, are truly are important. And switching off and recovery, you come back refreshed and, and ready to go. You do. And you're better in your job when you do that. And I'll share a quick story that I did this executive women and leadership course with some incredible, I was actually the, the smallest fry in town there. There was the, like a lot of C-level women for major tech firms. And it, it was a brilliant, um, brilliant thing to be part of. But um, in it, we spoke about the fact that we all actually believed, you know, we did a quick poll. We all believed if we had worked 70% as hard in our career, we would still be where we are right now. So we give this extra 30% and it's like far, far above, 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 keep pushing. But actually 
it detracts, takes away from your life. It takes away from joy. It takes away from, you know, making sure you're a fulfilled person and all of the other things that you should be doing to have fun. And it's, it's, um, we really believe that we will, would be where we are. And I think also um, in that the people running the course, they sent us all a mug afterwards with a, with a tagline on it, which said, you have used up your quota of guilt for this lifetime. And that was really powerful because we all feel guilty. We're like, we're not working hard enough. We're not spending enough time for, with our friends, with our family, you know, whatever it is, there's, you always have a feeling of guilt. Like on a Sunday, my to-do list, I'm like watching succession or something. My to-do list is going <laughs> in my head. And I was like, I'm actually allowed to sit here and watch this program and laugh and not think about work. So, so yeah. But, you know, my, uh, thankfully my wife can't, can't hear this, but she is always saying, switch off, you know, be present. Um, put that phone away, and and I think you're right. Is I, I for me, it's always the fear of missing out on something or or not reacting to something. And then you see your Microsoft report for the week, and it says, you know, you respond to emails in 14 minutes or something. You're thinking, right, okay, I need to chill out sometimes. Um, again, it's it's so tough though when you're back as that trader to think that way early in your career because you're so ambitious and you, and you want to get going. But I think the key message here for me is more for the leadership to set the example. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one other thing I'd love to love to touch on with you is, you know, right now we are definitely seeing in the recruitment world, people are having to pay, you know, middle of the range, high end of the range, over range, and counter offers are going back and forward quite a lot. People are having to offer more money to retain a lot of their, their top talent to stop people poaching them offer different things to keep people, um, offer titles people shouldn't quite get. My big fear going into 2022-23 is people will add pressure onto themselves because they maybe get jobs they might not have got or managers might expect more of people because they've overpaid for them. I I think what we're talking about right now is, is going to be a huge talking point in 12 months' time. No, what's what's your thoughts around around that? Are, are you noticing any of that? Not asking what you pay people at Gong, of, of course, but but just generally, what what's your thoughts on that topic? What are my thoughts on that topic? I think that I look. I'm a big believer in um, paying for top talent. Like, if you want, if you have ambitious goals and you want to be, you know, one of the fastest growing whatever of all time, or you want to be what you've got to pay for it and you've got to reward people. I will say. It goes beyond just compensation, though. There is, and that's the important thing, is like, and I think especially with the younger generations, are they bought into the vision and mission of the company? Do they believe they're changing the world? Is it, um, do, is there, what is their remote policy? What is the work from home policy? What is the holiday policy? So I think actually, um, and obviously you're the expert here, but but I feel like it's, we get much more questions about everything, you know, the, our philosophy about how we work as well, rather than just okay. the at some point, and depending on obviously how senior you are, at some point, the extra 10K was not going to make that much of a difference to your life, but actually sure. the holiday policy will, and you know, a sabbatical policy will, where something like that's important. So I think there becomes a, there comes a threshold where there is a trade-off there. And totally. I do think the meaning and the value you take from your work, and for me, when I think about people and I advise people about jobs, I say to them, and something that I feel that I'm always thinking about is what is the impact like in a role you know when you think about the role there's the role there's your boss there's the location but there's impact like what impact are you going to have and you know 
while I joke about obviously that if I get hit by a bus gong, we'll be fine and it clearly will be. I'd like to think there'll be, you know, for a minor impact, people would notice me missing. So I have, I can have, so, and it's a great feeling to feel that what the work that you do every day matters and it matters whether you show up to work or not. Um, and the impact is felt more widely. So that's how I think about it. But, um, um, but there's no doubt that it is definitely a big topic of conversation. I love that. I mean, I'm going to change my background for one second and just share with you, you know, something that, that's really important to us here at, at SD and, and it's kind of our approach to candidates. It's not just about Wendy's hiring for X role and hey, who, want, who wants it? For us, it's very much about an amazing candidate experience, a candidate journey. And there are going to be a lot of unsuccessful people through that process. Can they learn something about themselves? Not that they then all want to go and move from the role that they are in, but if, if we're not matching up your value proposition with their motives, you're not, you're not going to make that that magic. I think for us, fortune is number five here, right? And, and they're not in order in, in any way, but it's just one part of it. And, and I think a lot of people can be eyes turned by, by a number or, or different things, but I think you're absolutely right. It's, I've been telling people, think about these six things when you're thinking about your value proposition, but the impact someone can make is different role to role. The word impact I've used, I guess, time and time again this year. And, you know, that is what you want to, as an individual, you want to know you're making an impact. I'm not just a number here. I am influential. I'm rubbing off on someone else. I'm changing someone's life. I'm whatever it may be. That takes me on to quite nicely onto, I guess, hiring and, and talent. You know, your experience of 32 interviews is incredible. You know, we definitely have some clients that, over interview, want to be sure, you know, have added some steps to the process while being remote. You know, how do you assess or what does what does top talent mean to you? Um, so top talent, so like first of all, the work ethic piece, right? So work ethic is something I am where I am today because of my work ethic. And often, you know, people I will take somebody who will I always compare it to, to horses. You can get like I'm a big horse person. So yeah. Yeah. You have the most talented horse on the planet, but if they're not willing to put in the work and do what they have to do, well, then they're, you know, if they throw the toys out of the pram when you ask them to do something a bit difficult. But there's less talented horses with great work ethic that will go further because they're coachable and they'll try. So, so yeah. work ethic, coachability. I look for people that like, I'm like, what are you doing for self-improvement? Like, do you listen to podcasts? Do you read? Like, is it like, are you pushing yourself to be better and learn? Because I know I certainly am. Um, and I have a lot I still have to learn. And I, and I, and I do that through reading. Um, and I do that through, um, you know, listening to podcasts. And also, I think um, the bit about accountability that I mentioned earlier, like I want I want to see a history of success in someone's career. Like, have they been shown success time and time again, promotion within their certain roles? Have they proved that they could be successful? And I remember once hearing my CEO say, you know, what is a, a myth that you'd like to bust that over eight? And he goes, he goes, the whole thing about failing goes, I'd much rather hire successful people than people that keep failing. <laughs> and I was like, it's so true. It's quite right? true, to be, to be honest. Yeah, I quite like, I might steal that actually. Yeah, because um, everyone goes on about how great it is to fail and, you know, you learn. And, and obviously there is an element of you have to push your boundaries. And with that, you may, there are moments you will fail. However, showing a repeatable pattern of success is, is key. Um, and I think as well, you know, when we do references, we want to know, is this person, if I'm doing reference for sales rep, is this when all the sales reps you've ever managed, is this person in the top, whatever, 20% of people and see what the, how they respond? 
I think as well when somebody, when a hiring manager says, you know, I would hire them back in a minute, I'm raging that you're stealing this person from me. I, you know, I've just added three, four members to my team and I loved getting the references and I felt like I'd got one over on that company. It's not nice to think that way, but you also, you know, without me even actually thinking that, that repeatable pattern success is exactly what I was, what I was looking for, a proven track record. There'll be some failures, there'll be a redundancy along the line, different yeah. things happen, but it's how they explain that, react to that. And I think it's the, the excuses part, I thought, I thought you, you know, you, you mentioned earlier is, is, is so true. Obviously, as you build out the EMEA team at, at Gong, you've got great in, international experience. Um, you're in an amazing city, you know, I, I, and from what we've spoke about, it's not been difficult to, to attract top talent to Gong. What is it about Gong and Gong's value prop that's, that, that I guess, looking at those success that sucked you in and continues to just, you know, attract top talent? Yeah, so I would say, you know, every company's got a mission and a vision. I would say our mission is particularly compelling. It's, you know, at Gong, we're on a mission to unlock reality, to help companies and people fulfill their true potential. And that sounds, you know, very noble, but it's also when I live in Gong day after day, it's also true. So the word that gets used most often about the product is that it's a game-changing product. Uh, it's a game changer. So people don't know, and I didn't know this product existed when they first came to me. I'd heard some buzz about the company. You never used it before, before you joined? No, I'd never used it until I joined. And I heard buzz about the company, but I didn't know exactly what it was. And um, and so when I saw it, I was like, oh my God, like this is, and I know it's dramatic, life-changing. As a sales leader, this feels like, like I didn't know this world existed. I've been living in a world where I didn't know a tool like this actually existed. And, you know, for anyone listening who, who hasn't seen it, because obviously we're, it's still a very new category, the way it works is we capture all customer interactions across email, across phone, and across web conference. And we integrate with a CRM and we use our artificial intelligence to pull out insights into deals, people, and markets. So telling you, like, what are your top people doing differently to make them successful? Which deals yeah. in your pipeline are real? And so, like, it, literally, it's I think it's the fact that it's, it's a revolutionary product um, and it's it's something that it's it's the future. And I think we'll look back in however long it takes, five or ten years and go, wow, we don't we don't know how we existed without it. That's I genuinely no, mean that. I think they'll keep going back to that Super Bowl advert. It's always funny to know that they've done that. That's the thing, that's when you know you've made it when you've got a Super Bowl advert. But you know, we've we've used the tool for two years. You know, I think about five years ago when I joined SD, I was looking at what are the other sales reps doing. Let me repeat that. You know, but you're having to ask them. You're having to sit and watch. And I now have got hours and hours and hours of content that I can just file away into different inboxes that my reps now get up to speed so, so much quicker. You know, my reps are sitting right now on another call talking about, you know, what they're all doing differently, what's working, you know, ways that they can improve. That To me, that's the self-learning part, right? So I guess we're doing okay when it comes to your ticking your boxes for, for hiring. I think the key part there was, you know, I, I guess sport, horses, hard work beats talent and talent doesn't work hard. I've seen many people, quite frankly, piss their career away because they've not just worked that, that little bit harder. And I think it's I think super true. Um, you know, Gong anyway, an, an amazing tool. You guys have clearly got an amazing culture that comes from from the top down. You know, let's let's move on to let's move on to Gong uh, as a whole. You know, we've created. We went through the process of creating our own category over the last couple of years, and it's been game changing for us. 
there's no doubt you guys are on a completely different level level and now on on, on that global global level. Data intelligence forecasting, whether it be recruitment, no matter what, I think through COVID a lot of things have been accelerated and data is helping support and drive key decision makers for reps, but also leaders and, and businesses. You know, just how important can Gong be when it comes to, I guess, revenue forecasting or, or revenue intelligence over the next few years? Yeah, I think the critical difference is in a world prior to Gong, the way like I ran my business is if something went wrong, I'd go and look at the CRM and I'd say, okay, well, what's happening? But the CRM shows me like outputs, right? It shows me like lagging indicators and it shows me, you know, I'll see uh, like, you know, I'll see win rates, I'll see churn, I'll see whatever, but it's lagging indicators. The difference with Gong and where Gong comes in is it shows you the leading indicators. It shows you what's happening at the critical moment of execution. So there's this incredible, incredibly valuable exchange between your reps and customers, these interactions and where, you know, you understand what your rep is saying, you hear back exactly from the customer what they're saying. And instead of subjectivity, meaning, okay, we see outputs in the CRM or we go and ask our reps, you know, what are our customers saying about X, Y, Z? And they get subjective answers. We actually capture it all. So it's reality. So when it thinks about data, so much of the way we ran our business before is based on subjective opinions. It's not based on actual facts. And yeah. so the whole point about Gong is we unlock reality to give you the truth, like a truth serum for what is actually happening. So when, when your reps are forecasting, they're like saying, oh, yeah, we're going to close X, Y, Z. Well, guess what? 53% of deals in commit don't actually close. <laughs> and the good news is a tool like Gong will show you this deal is in commit, but pricing's never been mentioned and it's meant to close next week. Or yeah. guess what? Um, this deal's in commit, but all of a sudden over a call, your prospect has suddenly brought up a competitor and an evaluation. So it'll address, like leverage these, bring, pull out these insights early so that you're not in this black box. It basically unlocks the black box of what's happening. And it's based on facts. It's not opinions. It's not subjective. And it's, that's what makes it so powerful. I think it comes back again. Okay, you almost need to hire people with the enthusiasm, the drive, and and the willingness to want to know that data. You right. know, and I think that is the future of a. Of a I mean, it's a future of lots of roles. But in terms of if we're talking sales here, you know, for me, the people that want to know the data, want to work on the data, want to improve, Gong is a total game changer. There will there'll be people that will look at it and go, "Oh no, that's micromanaging me." But that to me is the person that will never be successful anyway. Um. Right. Lagging indicators versus leading indicators, so, so key for, for leaders, right? Because it's so, so easy to say, you should have done this. Or what would you have done there? And maybe they go and they, they, they implement that over the next couple of months or whatnot. But to know you have just done this and you have got the ability now to do this on the next call based on the fact that you know that is key. I mean, I remember my first few months, I was probably a bit nervous of going, but what I really liked was, at the very least, you know, I can go back and actually just listen to that before I do the next call. That better prepared me. And then I thought, let me take it a stage further. What questions did they ask? Right. You know, because I was, what, I was, no rep has an infinite memory, right? At the end of the day, I'm here to make everyone better. How, how in God's name, especially enterprise sales cycles, will you remember what was said in a call? 6,000 words in an average conversation between a a, a, pros, a a rep and a customer, 30 of them make it into the CRM, if at all, right? So no rep has an infant memory. So this makes reps better. And that's why when they get it, there's an initial hurdle like, 
oh, oh, wait, this feels a bit scary. But the second that they get it, it's like, my God, I can't live without this tool. And it's the point now that people actually get written into their employment contracts. We know of VPs of sales that have said, I will only join your firm if you buy gone. Like that's how crazy powerful wow. it is. Okay. Well, I mean, it's something I think I couldn't live without now. And I'm probably being a sales rep for Gong right now, but that's absolutely fine with me, right? I mean, um, as long as I get mine cheaper, cheaper next year. I think the the, the the key part for me is the discovery process for me in sales is, is super key. And there's loads that comes before that in terms of who are you even going after, you know, what geographies, what buyers, what personas. But the magic will always happen in those first couple of interactions, first interaction between any 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 client and, and, and the sales rep. Being able to go back and say, I asked that question that opened things up and I now have this data, you know, to drive my next actions is is so powerful. I mean, you you're clearly data driven. Um clearly like the, the, the intelligence side of things. You know, what do you see as the, the future of going? I know you've got some exciting announcements coming up early yeah. next year. I don't know if you can share them with us right now. Yeah, we announced there's two major areas that we're moving into um, next year. The first, I think, will make sales reps will just love us even more because it's, it's something called Gong Assist. And so when we think about being a sales rep, the problem is that there's so many mundane tasks, like how much time a rep's actually spending selling. They're spending time updating CRM. They're spending time, you know, trying to figure out, sending follow-up emails to customers. And something like we know close rates are higher if we send a follow-up email within after a call within the first 24 hours. What Gong Assist will do is it will actually create the version of that email for you to send to like minimize the time you're spending wasting. It will say, you said you want to send a pricing sheet. You want to send a reference. Like this is what it, this is what this template is what we suggest. And something else, like think about it. Uh, you get a bounce back and it says the prospects out of office on email. Gong will alert you when they come back. Gong will know this says that you will be back from email on the whatever it is, the 20th of December. And so Gong will say your prospect is back in the office. Do you want to follow up? It's just makes life easier. It takes away the mon mundane tasks that people hate and yeah. helps them be more efficient. So moving into that is key. That So that's the first big bucket. And the second one is um, is essentially reality-based forecasting. So the problem with all forecasting tools that exist currently is they're still based on subjectivity. They're not based on reality of what's actually happening. And so, for example, with some of our competitors, if a customer sends an email, the likelihood of that deal closing goes up in their mind. So the score increases. However, with Gong, we understand what's said in the email. So we can say, oh, if they say the evaluation is being pushed to next quarter, we know that, that is, we already surfaced that risk and we know that means the deal is less likely to close, clearly, not more likely. And so because yeah. it's based on a reality, that just completely separates how we run our business going forward. And it's, that's what makes it so powerful. I mean, going back to the first point in, in, in Gong Assist, I think in every interview I've ever done with sales or even thinking about it myself, everyone will say, oh, the best salespeople are rubbish at admin or they don't like admin. It's the, the, the part of the job that they don't enjoy. Yeah. I actually see the future of sales, them enjoying inputting the data that matters because of the intelligence that they get back from it. And I think that's a shift that people just need to embrace. Because I think we talk about here quality in, quality out. And we've spent quite a lot of time doing lots of admin. So our CRM and Gong and Outreach can tell us the things that we, we want to know. And, and it's been amazing for us, game-changing for us, uh, you know, Forecasting is probably the, one of the hardest things as a leader 
you go through because if, if reps can't forecast their own stuff, you know, and do it properly because they've not done the admin right, it makes your job sometimes a, a bit of a, a, a guessing the dark. I mean, I'm sure that's made your life a lot easier since coming coming to golf. It has, and honestly, one of the best um, sort of nods to Gong I can give is I never used the tool before I joined. There's nobody sitting on my shoulder forcing me to use Gong, but I spend my life in Gong, especially with forecasting, because I never look anywhere else now, because it's like, the, I see, okay, these are the deals that are in commit, and I see all of the red flags associated with them. And I say, okay, I can see the exact email for the customer. I can see what was captured on a call, if pricing wasn't mentioned, if we're not at power, all of the, so, and it's so saves so much of my time because forecasting is also so time consuming and um and i have so much time saved just by looking at the alerts and the deal so i understand what risk if any is associated with them brilliant brilliant i mean i think the future is clearly bright for gong you just keep seeing that the number of employees going up and up and up and uh, it's it's a super exciting journey i think you know not only have you guys changed the game in terms of category creation you know marketing branding uh, you know, in terms of now exploding through through Europe, I think you've conquered probably the US already. I think it's easy easy to say that. You know, where do you see the future of Gong in, in Europe going? And 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 could you maybe talk to that that type of growth? Sure. So, well, I joined in June as the first employee on the ground in EMEA, and we're now exiting the year with thirty people, which is exciting. Wow. Um, and next year, you know, we've ambitions. We're likely to get up to a hundred. Um, we're planning. We had been originally just focused on UK, Ireland. We're expanding um, to sell to, you know, France, Germany, Benelux, Nordics. We've been accepting inbounds in all these countries. And actually, due to that, we're already based in twenty-eight different countries. Gong Jeez. inbounds. Wow. So we're about to start going outbound and obviously and move up market as well. Um, so. It's, it, it is very exciting. We didn't want to make, we wanted to make sure we weren't trying to be everything to everybody on day one and build a foundation yeah. and, and get that. But I think there's so much pull from local markets, both from recruitment side and the customer side. You know, everyone, like I get things from people in France and Germany asking us to hire there and everything else. And for now, we're still focused on Dublin, but, um, but yeah, we, we, we definitely plan to expand our footprint um, next year. Well, listen, Dublin's one of my favorite cities globally and um, best paint of Guinness you will ever get right so that's that's definitely hopefully next time I'm there we can we, we, we can catch up but again thank you so much for for being an awesome guest Wendy you know you clearly have had a very interesting career to date you know not you've not went the typical SDR AE sales leader route right which has been extremely common from 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 other leaders that I've, I've spoken to you know and it shows it shows there's no one way to do things. I think the the dare greatly is is awesome. I think there's probably about six or seven different things you've mentioned today that have really resonated with me, and I'm sure will resonate to our, to our listeners as well. So thank you so much. Congratulations on an awesome 2021, uh, and I look forward to to seeing how things go next year. Thank you, Nikki, and also thank you for being one of our early adopters in EMEA as well, and for being one of our raving fans. Really appreciate it and uh, and very excited to continue the partnership next year so thanks for having me thanks Wendy